Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're done with the expectations series. We're on the eve of training camp here, and we're going to talk a little bit about things that are important to watch at this training camp for the Baltimore Ravens, decisions that still need to be made. Here to talk to me about that is Danny Joseph. Danny, how are you doing? Uh, good, Ken. Really excited for uh, just Ravens training camp to start, and it feels like football is back. I uh, saw a couple of videos. The, ra- uh, the rookies reported. Uh, quarterbacks seem to be back already, and uh, just excited for for Ravens football to get back uh, get back to it and um, see how this roster completes and fills out. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun. When we get into training camp, we'll watch a lot of practice, and then we'll want to see some live fire. Then we'll get that, and we still won't see the whole thing because there'll be a lot of installation of offensive and defensive scheme that happens between the end of that last game and the beginning of the regular season. The re- the, the preseason is a is a time to test players rather than test scheme. And so you we, you see a lot of players being put in positions to see what they can accomplish on their own uh, and not necessarily how, uh, you know, the best double teams or the or the, the strangest defensive packages they could put on the field uh, can help hold down the enemy. But a, uh, a, a great, uh, uh, a great time to talk football anyway. And, I'll leave it to you. You're the one who came and proposed this topic. What would you like to start with? Yeah, I think uh, the most exciting thing coming in the training camp, because I think there are some topics that are, you know, we're, we're all excited about, and there are obviously some topics that we, we're raising an eyebrow towards. Um, I think the thing that we are probably the most excited for is what is this offense going to look like and uh, what will Lamar Jackson look like in uh, a Todd Munkin offense in comparison to you know, the offense that he's played in for the last five years under Greg Roman. Um, and I think that, you know, Roman has obviously been a very controversial figure amongst Ravens fans, uh, but they are big shoes to f- uh, fill uh, in, in terms of, you know, measuring statistics that, you know, Roman finished very high, you know, yearly in, in EPA per play, um, efficiency rating, and he was a great offensive coordinator for the Ravens. There, there's no... There's, there's no debate in that. As frustrating as, as some could be, um, Roman was successful, uh, and Munkin will need to fill those shoes. And specifically, Roman was successful with Lamar Jackson. That, that yes. you know, the the you know, I hope Lamar never. I'm sure he won't, and it doesn't matter whether whether he, you know he does or not uh, in terms of what I hope. But what Roman did to kickstart Lamar Jackson's career is is truly fantastic in terms of of building the offense around him the ravens as a whole you know obviously had had contributions to that and and had to get buy-in from from harbaugh a willingness to change his whole fourth down strategy in terms of of being much more aggressive with that um that's really allowed lamar to shine in this uh uh offense uh they've taken advantage of all the gravitational pull he brings to the field that is one thing that they will probably break down some 
in Monken's offense. And one of the reasons why I know expectations are sky high, but there's reasons also for a little bit more cautious level of optimism, I think, from the fact that I don't know if Monken's scheme is going to put the focus on that Lamar needs to be shadowed on every play or you always need to have someone shadowing Lamar uh, on a uh, on any pass play as opposed to any run play. Um, does he really need to get accounted for in the same way? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm interested to see what parts they can still bring from the Roman offense, from the run game, particularly. Um, I mean, I, I was at the, the Pittsburgh, uh, Ravens game last year in Pittsburgh when Huntley went down and then they had Anthony Brown on the goal line and it, you know, they're, you know, coaches don't win games, but, but Roman essentially with that run game won that game. Uh, and everyone in the stadium knew they were running the ball and and nobody could stop it. And, you know, obviously we are here to talk about what Todd Munkin is is going to do and what he's going to bring. Um, and hopefully he does bring elements of that run game into, into his own scheme. Um, I know some of the things that he's brought or that he's going to bring from Georgia. Um, I'm really excited for in the past game and, um, you know, what he was able to do with two great tight ends at Georgia. Uh, and hopefully he can, you know, kind of weave in a multiple, multiple amounts of Roman scheme into uh, his own offense. Yeah, that's going to be one of the big hallmarks. And we've heard some comments in the last few days about there being four wide and we're taking Lamar back to Louisville and this kind of thing. And, and I like the idea that you have that available in the bag of tricks. I also like that the Ravens will go to a fair amount of 12 personnel this year because I think the tight end position is still where a lot of the receiving strength of the team is. Uh, with the big three. Um, I think you can do other things still with Ricard. Um, and obviously, I think no matter how you slice it, Ricard's role is going to be reduced this year in Monken's offense. And you're talking about one of the best players at his position um, that you know is in that exists in the league currently. So I, I'm I, I am optimistic that what he does to spread the field vertically maintain a good portion of the field spreading horizontally is going to be a net positive from Roman, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily an across the board uh, positive. And I do think, you know, one of the important things we haven't talked about yet is how Lamar Jackson adapts to a new offense of this type. Yeah, exactly. And um, Lamar has been in the Roman system for five years. Um, and this will be really a big test for him. And, and we've heard, you know, reports from previous players that have come to the Ravens and have said that, you know, Lamar has shown in practice that he can, uh, you know, he can play a, a more, what people say, pro style offense, but um, it may be a more pass heavy offense. Um, and Lamar can make the throws and, and make those, um, you know, make the reads. And uh, at Louisville, he obviously played in a more pass friendly heavy scheme than, and what a Roman offense would typically look like. Um, but this is going to be a, a big year for him um, because he's asked for it. I think blatantly out, we can read between the lines that he desires to throw more, um, but he's going to need to show that, you know, this, he can also evolve uh, into a new offense and um, you can't pick a better player to, to put money on that. He'll do that. Uh, he has shown continuously each off season that he, uh, we'll put in the work, whether it's, you know, working on his accuracy from 2018 to 2019, um, putting on weight during the 2021, mm -hmm. 2022 season to, to try to make sure that he's staying healthy. Um, 
you you can't find a better Raven right now, really, that will will put in the offseason work to to prove and to show that uh, they can they can win in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I mean, I've always said that, that Lamar is the North Star with regard to what you should do with your offseason time if you really want to maximize your football career. That's he's the he is the player, maybe in the NFL, but definitely for the the, the Ravens probably have ever had in terms of really maximizing his his offseason uh, to to that uh, uh, degree. There are other things that are are potentially areas of concern. The Ravens have had a hard time get maintaining a sufficient pace, which I think is going to be a point of emphasis in the Monk and offense. We don't we don't know exactly what it looks like yet, but we think we assume that pace to the line of scrimmage is going to be imp- is going to be increased. I won't say improved, um, and that you know, there's going to be, I would think, a simplified play call which involves more of a formation, um, and and perhaps a preliminary set of routes that goes with that um, to get teams to the line, to get the Ravens to the line of scrimmage quickly to make it easier for Lamar to communicate that. Um, and then they're going to have to, to to get to the line of scrimmage and make adjustments as necessary. And a lot of that's going to be on Lamar. It's going to be beyond the time where where uh, uh, he could be helped in terms of, of helmet communication or whatnot. So it's going to have to be uh, Lamar making those choices at the line of scrimmage. And um, it's easy to say, oh, that'll work better until, you know, but we need to actually see it. Yeah, absolutely. And He's shown that when they have played with pace, they're, they they have been successful. Um, and Good a couple point. couple of great twenty twenty one games, uh, we saw him play with uh, with with really great pace. The Colts game is probably the best game he's played as a Raven um, in terms of passing efficiency. And uh, the Steelers game, uh, he ran two two great um, you know hurry up kind of offenses, a quick at pace. Uh, so yes, absolutely. I, I think that the you know them getting to the line a little bit easier, uh, them you know being able to break the huddle, make adjustments at the line. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how Lamar you know makes those adjustments um, and how much he'll grow as the season goes on in that regard. Um, I don't think that this is going to start off as high powered as a normal Raven season will. Like it would be, I feel like they've come out of the gates pretty strong offensively each year. Um, but I do think that they can they can finish the season strong. Okay, well that's it's certainly something that we'll we'll probably have to wait till the season starts to get a really good handle on. The other thing that I, that I I'm I'll just say I'm really tremendously concerned about is will offensive pacing degrade the defense in some way? I mean the Ravens defense in recent years, particularly in eighteen, nineteen, and twenty three was largely benefited from the Ravens' ability offensively to slow the game down to exactly what pace they want, run a ton of offensive plays, and allow the defense you know, long breaks on the field. And they talk about this more, probably I hear it more in the college game. Well, we've got to find a way to keep Penn State's offense off the field so they are not, you know, don't have a worn-down defense uh, if you're Syracuse and Penn State was the big rival every year. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, if you're – uh, if you're going to run more plays, if you're going to run a lot of no huddle, if you're going to run a fast-paced offense, your defense will have to pay for the price for it to some degree. Now, if your offense is super efficient, doesn't matter. The, your defense will give up some more points. Your defense may even benefit because your offense totally overwhelms and still possesses the ball for a significant amount of time. 
uh, due to the scoring drives, commercials that are involved in the kickoff and whatnot. I guess you have those on punts too, but you, you may you may benefit anyway from from your team possessing the ball for a long amount of elapsed time as opposed to clock time. Uh, but on, on the other hand, there's more game to be played then by the defense. There's going to be more time left on the clock to be played by the defense, more defensive snaps that have to be done. And when you look at where the Ravens are kind of thin, the defensive line is definitely an area of thinness where if they have a major injury, um, all of a sudden you're scrambling for defensive line snaps in a way that might be very uncomfortable. Uh, at cornerback, the Ravens are very thin. Uh, if anything happens, really honestly, they don't have enough talent for the for the big three cornerback positions right now, in my opinion. But if they if they have any sort of injury, it gets a lot worse very quickly. And so that's something I, I would be concerned about. Um, it's it's just the this team is has got to be thought of as a complete unit. And part of the value of Roman these last few years and the value of Roman and Jackson together has been the ability to keep that defense fresh. Yeah, absolutely. Especially um, like you know, two or three years ago, we had some we had some older guys on the team that mm-hmm. were um, you know when they're on the field and they're they're playing, they're great. Uh, when they are playing, you know, a large percent of snaps, you start to see decline in play. Um, I think a great example of you know you want to see how a defense can get tired is the Dolphins game week two from this previous year, where um, the yeah. offense scored almost too quickly. Like they had the big Lamar run uh, and then they had the big Bateman play. Um, and by the fourth quarter, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle had run our two, two, top two corners out of the game. Um, and watching those breakdowns, watching the defense fatigued and make mistakes. Um, you saw the impact of what it's like to lose starters. Um, but also, you know, how much, you know, a fatigued defense can really just be exposed. Uh, so I, you know, hopefully, they can keep that part of Roman's game, especially in ball control moments, whether it's, you know, the end of a half or, um, you know, the, a fourth quarter, just getting first downs. I, um, you know, still believe in this run game, especially with, you know, hopefully that we have a motivated running back, but um, that is definitely something, a key to, uh, to being a winning team. It's a key part of a winning formula. I I wanted to make two more comments on this pacing issue before we move on. The first was completely agree with, your point about pacing is Lamar, when asked to do it, has been very good at it. Now, most of the time, Roman's trying to slow roll the offense, and uh, it's very much about grinding out first downs and having long, long drives and having, you know, ultimately, the ultimate master of offense is points per drive. If you can put up a lot of points per drive, you can make up for any kind of sin in terms of, of uh, uh, how much you're overworking your defense. So the 2019 Ravens at 3.08 points per drive with almost none of their cap going to the, the offense is, you know, was an unbelievable once in a lifetime thing that we'll never experience again. Unfortunately, these Lamar era teams are, are going to have to approach that. You know, my threshold for Lamar in terms of what a great season was, we did the show the, the other day, hopefully you've, you've listened to it by now, but was 2.65 points per game is what I'd like him to get back to. Uh, that would be in the top five, maybe the top three in the league if it happened. And if if Lamar Jackson is delivering on that end, then I think it's up to the defense to deal with how much time they have in that regard. But you made the good point about the Colts game where they never got the third down, but there's been a whole bunch of end of second half drives, sorry, end of half drives where Lamar has been very quick to move down the field and it hasn't bothered him to uh, uh, you know to be limited in terms of the amount of time he has and, and getting the line of scrimmage and making a play. It's just, I think he'll, he'll adapt fine 
to a lot of that stuff. I think how they'll really benefit from this or how they could really benefit from this Malkin offense is with a much better distributed football. And I think some of that will take more scheme, not just better pace. Absolutely. Um, I think that that kind of leads just like to the wide receivers and, um, you know, I listening to a couple experts like you know, P- PFF or uh, the athletic shows, they, they deem the Ravens wide receiver room is just one of the most improved or if not the most improved unit in the NFL. Um, part of that is getting is hopefully getting Bateman back healthy. But, um, you know, they have addressed that position in hope to probably become more um you know, dualistic and being able to run multiple types of offense and um, make Lamar's life a little bit easier when it comes to, you know, throwing either outside the numbers or um, hopefully in these must pass situations, these hurry up situations. Um, I'm really excited to see how they distribute that ball. I think that Lamar in the past, when he had Hollywood Brown has gotten a little bit in trouble being a little target happy to, to certain receivers. Mm-hmm. Um and I will be very interested to see, can you keep Odell Beckham? Can you keep Rashad Bateman? And can you complete Zay Flowers? Ha- all three of them happy um, in this offense. Uh, I, I don't think you would have been able to do that if if Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator still. Um, just given the amount of times they pass and, and then Mark Andrews is still on the team. Um, I'm, very cons- um, I'm very curious to see how distributing the ball um, will be able to keep those players engaged and happy um, and make them feel like they're part of the winning, winning formula or whatever wide receivers look for. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Cause I think there's some yeah. unpacking deserved. Why should I care that Odell Beckham or Nelson Aguilar in particular, who are both one year rentals and they are, they have void years, at the end of the contract. They're yep. here for one year or one and done. Why should I care that either of those guys are unhappy with their target share if the Ravens are winning and the passing offense is generally effective. That's a great point. Um, and I, I mean, you look around the league and you know the wide receivers that have become unhappy um, or have demanded trades or, or seek to trade. Um, a lot of the times they kind of are on winning teams. Like, Tyreek Hill, the, the Chiefs have been one of the best teams in in football over the past uh, you know five years. Uh, Stephon Diggs, with all of his unhappiness this offseason, the Bills have been to the AFC divisional round uh, for the past two years, and they made the AFC title game. Uh, time and time again, we've seen uh, De- Devontae Adams, right? Like they've made the NFC title game and, and divisional round. We we've seen these receivers who are unhappy in high target shares. Um, then, then request to be traded. So it's a great point. Like, like, it would, and, and it's not like they're cornerstone players or a franchise on top of all that. Um, and, and to be completely honest, like I, I you know, I'm, I'm happy that Odell Beckham is on our football team, but I would be much more excited if Zay Flowers is our leading receiver yeah, or Shad Beeman. Yeah. yeah. Um, because those can become pillars of a franchise and you can keep them contractually cheaper for, three or four more years. So um, I guess the, the, to, the short answer to your question is, I mean, I could care less about what, <laughs> what those two say. Um, if it's going to impact the locker room, they're not going to survive on a John Harbaugh football team. They're not going to be around for, for very much longer. So yeah, that's the short answer to your question of 
Um, we don't need to be super concerned to keep them happy. Uh, it, it just is like a good depth piece, really, because it based on a position where we've had trouble with guys staying healthy the whole year. We, we we certainly have, and these are veteran wide receivers, much in the mold of a lot of the guys they've they've um, signed over the years. They might represent, in terms of Beckham, and particularly the top end of that mold. So we hope Beckham becomes Bolden. I don't think it's likely, but we hope Beckham becomes Bolden. Uh, you know, I don't know who we hope Aguilar becomes, but not not Frank Sanders or even Demarcus Robinson. Um, Jacoby uh, Jones. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jacoby Jones would be good. <laughs> Uh, but we, but you know, we we hope for uh, the best, certainly for both of them, and I, I really hope that neither of them ends up being a distraction. In fact, I hope just the opposite, because um, Beckham, in particular, is one of the great route runners the National Football League has had over the last decade. He has got so much to impart to a player like Zay Flowers, to to even even a player like Beckham, uh, sorry, uh, Bateman who's an outstanding route runner himself and, and really probably was the best of his entire class coming out. He has things to learn from Beckham, uh, you know, in terms of, of how he can do differently, how, can, how he can throw a move at the top of the stem, all of the, all of the things that Beckham had, has made Beckham's NFL career uh, great, particularly at the outset. But boy, if, if, if all of a sudden he's upset because he's getting three targets a game, um, I am not going to have a lot of patience for that personally. I'm, I, I'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll be talking about it on the show if it, if it happens. And particularly if, if the Ravens, you know, have a nine and three record or something at the time and he's having that complaint. I do believe that was part of the reason why Marquise Brown had to go. He basically said, you know, this offense just isn't for me. And it wasn't running through him. It, it, if you're Marquise Brown, you want to make the best decision for yourself. Uh, they always say for their family, but really for himself, um, you want to maximize your position in an offense such that you can make as much money as possible in the NFL. And I think that's really what it came down to in him leaving this team. And um, th there's no bones about where Odell Beckham is at this point in his career. The Ravens have given him a chance, not only given him the chance, they're overpaying him for that chance um, in this one year thing, because Lamar Jackson wanted him in the same, in the same vein, they're giving Aguilar a, a chance and they really have invested in the possibility of him uh, delivering something in this year because they've given up in, a, in addition to the money they gave him a, an extra six round draft pick as a, as a compensatory loss offset. Um, so I, I'm really, uh, you know, Aguilar doesn't get that in terms of dollars, which is, but, but they're, they're investing in him to do this. Both these guys need to take this as, as if it was their fourth year in the league, you know, hopefully deliver on a big season. And I, Wish them the best in future endeavors, as we see in any email when a, when a, <laughs> a person leaves the company, right? To, that uh, uh, you know, hope you hope for their best in their with their next organization. Yeah, absolutely. Beckham certainly, you know, if we were talking about 2017, 2018, Odell Beckham, um, it would be a completely different conversation. His his contract certainly shows that he'll be a big part of this offense. The the, the one year rental that the Ravens have given him, they are overpaying him. They're there is no, there's no debate in that. You're you're paying for a guy who has not played football in a year, coming off his second ACL injury, who was playing great football for the Rams in the playoffs, but um, was not playing great football pre prior to that. Um, mm -hmm. And has you know a lot of measurements and statistics that he is declining. Having said that, if he can take on a leadership role where he is guiding a Rashad Bateman guiding his Zay Flowers and all the things that they can work on on the field, 
then talking about some, maybe some of the things that he regrets, you know, off the field um, in terms of maybe the way that he is, you know, um, presented himself in the media or um, has handled certain difficult situations on a team. Yeah, that's really valuable, um, and that's how he can get another contract for another team. It's the, it, did you ever see the movie that's a Bernie Mac movie, Mister Three Thousand? Yes, yeah. Okay, says so very much. I, you know, you, you hope that he can he can you know relate his own experiences as a cautionary tale the way that that worked out there, and uh, you know to, to uh, help some players through some difficult times. It'd be great if Odell Beckham was a guy they just naturally uh, texted first when they had some sort of a problem. Uh, and it'd be really great if Odell Beckham is a very natural teacher uh, on field at practice, the way we saw from Justin Houston last year. Um, if he's if he's that, um, you know, a, a significant chunk of that salary um, has paid off for the Ravens in uh, in in not on field play. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I think we've already seen the start of it with uh, working on the off season with Lamar and and, and Zay Flowers and. Yep. Um, and hopefully, you know, as Bateman is working back through this foot injury, um, he has a veteran that can, you know, tell him, Hey, be patient. You know, we don't need you for, we don't need you for week one. Um, if, if you need, if you need more time, we need you for, you know, the, this stretch in, in the regular season, just keep your head up. Um, you know, little things like that, having a guy in the locker room that, you know, has your back, I, I think can go a real way and maybe something that we, um, as fans can sometimes undervalue because we do see it on the defensive side of the ball uh, for the Ravens, especially having the old like grizzled veterans who can uh, bring the young guys along. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on. Let's say I, I, we've, we spent some time on the wide receivers. We spent some time on Lamar uh, cornerback, a significant depth issue here still for the Ravens right now. And to me, it's one of the biggest problems. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think this is probably I would give this as the biggest need slightly than edge. Um, I I do assume the Ravens will bring in a veteran edge player or or defensive lineman. Um, But corner is, is a place where uh, I I, I feel like they are overflowing with uh, the amount of, um, you know, depth pieces uh, and they don't necessarily have an answer. I think they're hoping that one of these guys can really develop and they're hoping that, um, one of them can come in and contribute, but they're all kind of the same. Uh, or, yeah. So I, that's kind of how I'm looking at that. Right yeah, now. Very difficult. They're very difficult sorting problem. And yes. they are mostly outside corners. We're talking about. So if we talk about the, the big four who are in the competition right away. It's, I hope I won't forget one. Cause I always manage to it's Kelly Worley, uh, Mullen and, uh, Stevens be a fourth. He's, he's, he's really at safety yeah, Armor, right now. Armor Davis. Armor Davis. That's, that's it's yeah. the one. Okay. So I, so JAD, so you have potentially have five guys. Um, and it's interesting that the very first guy they take out of the group is a guy who was playing pretty decently at the end of last year, who is Stevens, mm-hmm. but they're saying safety and they do need more depth at safety as well. So that's a, that's a potential, you know, pr- problem, but also a potential area where they, where they have a, a flexible piece there. And then, the outside corner pro- problem isn't the only one. It's the slot corner problem as well. Their, their number one slot corner right now is Pepe Williams. The only other guy who really makes sense as a slot corner among the defensive backs on the roster now is Ardarius Washington entering year three. And then if you want to make the commitment to it, of course, you can play your ace of trumps there and put Kyle Hamilton in the in the slot. 
and, and then you know then you're taking them away from someplace else and um, I've made the point on other shows that, that the decision on where Kyle Hamilton goes needs to drive how they form the defense and treat the corner room. Um, they, they, they need to figure out where will he be a superstar, put him there, and try and let him play only that position. And what I, I don't mean that he can't come up and cover a tight end and man in the base defense and that maybe he stays on the back end anytime the nickel is on with five defensive backs. So I'm not talking about like minor changes in responsibility on a, on a by play level. I'm just talking about he's, he's, his base position is going to be either strong safety or it's going to be slot corner, figure out which, and then build the rest of your defense around that. Absolutely. And it needs to be based on where is he going to play the best um, and and what will be the best for his career. Uh, I think we've seen a, a few times with players development when you, when you, no matter how talented they are, you know, right? If you if you swing them back and forth um, from from position to role, position to role, uh, it does impact their development. It does impact their ability to just be consistent on the field. Um, Rodafe Owe, I think we'll talk about later, but absolutely a great example of a really talented player who showed a ton of promise his rookie year, and you know his second year had it was a different telltale. I mean, they're, they're at um, risk of that with Brandon Stevens right now. Kamalai yeah. Correa was one. They moved in inside and outside linebacker. Um, and, and Michael Orr would be another one between left tackle and right tackle. I think they ruined him with that, but the uh, uh, or he ruined himself because he really wanted to play left tackle. But the but the uh, uh, you know there there are those, and occasionally though with a superstar player, and I think Hamilton honestly fits into this category. You can move them around, and it doesn't really matter where they're playing. They're still freaking great. And the big one is Marshall Yanda. He, he's a, he's he's got a left shoulder injury, so he goes to play left guard. So his inside shoulder can still be a strong shoulder. And that was just a remarkable thing. They needed him to play right tackle. He's kind of a short arm guy anyway. No problem. I'll move to right tackle and have a near Pro Bowl season in 2010. Uh, just what they were able to do with him was was truly remarkable what he was able to do in, in terms of versatility. But I think it's the guy who's the marginal NFL talent, uh, you know, more true yeah. of Orr and Stevens and guys like that, 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 you know, it's, you're, you're running a lot more risk moving them around. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I, you know, fully believe that Hamilton uh, can, can really be the superstar. I mean, the last, you know, three or four years, this defense has kind of been built around Marlon Humphrey. And I think two or three years from now, we'll be saying that the defense is built around, uh, Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton mm-hmm. and um, yeah, slot corner will be, I, I think probably the, the the biggest decision they'll make for their defense um, and and how their defense will be I, I, outlined and, and who will play where, um, and it's driving by what what they decide to do with Kyle Hamilton. Um, if they value slot corner that much, if they value that it, it is a essential position and he is so elite at it that, you know, we can, you know, move him around as a chess piece there. They better have conviction doing that. Um, and, and he better be on board with it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, you know, I would love to see him, you know, see what his potential is at the safety role. Uh, but, you know, I, I do trust that they are going to make that decision based on what Hamilton's strengths are, um, not sacrifice any development or production um, possibly elsewhere. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you, and I don't even think that's the only player that they can make an extraordinary move because because they have done it before with moving Marlon Humphrey to the slot, and with a with a large number of outside corners they have, it is possible that that he would end up there at some point the season if it's just not working out for uh, 
one or more slot corners, uh, including Pepe, that they that they start the season with there. Um, yeah, looking at Hamilton's last season, this is the last point I'll make on this topic, is that um, the amount of growth we saw in him in terms of knowing where he's supposed to be is extremely promising for his ability to, to be able to handle multiple positions and maybe even multiple positions at the same time. Uh, but he certainly looked quite lost uh, in that week two Miami game when when he was just in the wrong position relative to the defense. I just, for whatever reason, and, and in large part, it's it's his play uh, at both slots as the as the year progressed. I think he's he's earned our trust to play both those positions where I couldn't really say the same thing about Brandon Stevens at this point, even though he could potentially play both of those same positions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, Hamilton certainly has just this development and um, knowing where to be and then allowing his, the greatest part of his game, his instincts and his mm-hmm. physicality to take over uh, was, was really just a, you know, really important for the defense. Um, one of the things that I was nervous when he started playing the slot role was, well, how, how would he do against a, you know, a shifty receiver, like a crafty route runner? Um, and he's really able to use his size uh, and, you know, his instincts on the ball to, to, to make up for just the fact that he's bigger than a lot of the people that would play a slot receiver. Um, so yeah, so, super excited to see what he, uh, you know, where they align him. And then um, that cornerback competition should be, you know, I, I like pretty, I, I think that a lot will tell in the preseason games and I'm interested to see, you know, who is, you know, the leader of the clubhouse and who's, who's playing, um, you know, the most amount of snaps um, and also how loyal they'll be to some of their draft picks. Uh, I, I think that Armour Davis, um, yeah, I think he, if I remember correctly, last camp, he was performing pretty well, uh, but he just hasn't been on the field. And I, yeah, I don't think I, I'm trying to think of, of how much he actually played in the preseason. I may, I may have it wrong, but I, I didn't remember him having a big preseason role last year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I remember him, I, I think he was hurt in during a few of the preseason games. Um, though some of those stock up, stock down articles, it seemed like he had been practicing well, uh, but obviously the games are the most telling. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see which one of those guys, if, if one of them can, you know, make a jump during practice, uh, Worley last year, uh, the Bengals game, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, yep. um, Played pretty well, uh, so you know maybe he can you know find a role in the in the defense, uh, or as you said, Darius Washington in the slot role. Um, I would love I would love to see Marlon Humphrey stay on the outside, uh, but um, we'll see how it plays out and in which which corners can can take the lead there. Fair enough. Let's let's kind of move on and and keep the keep the show going here. Uh, what's your next topic? I'll bring up yeah, one so, if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my my next topic uh, is um, what the uh, injuries, contracts, uh, and unhappiness, and seeing um, you know how the the mentality of a few of these players can uh, maybe influence their practice or or what their status is. Um, I think the three that that jumped out to me um, were Dobbins with a possible contract dispute, Bateman coming off of his uh, foot injury, uh, and Queen. Um, with the drafting of, of Trenton Simpson and whether that unhappiness has impacted 
um, any of his motivation going into the season. It seems like he said all the great, all great things at minicamp. He tended, um, and I think that he knows what's at stake, that if he has a big year next to Roquan Smith, what that can mean to, to him financially. Um, but it's, it's something going into training camp, I think, that's worth paying attention to. Um, and yeah, especially after the last week, what, what Dobbins status will be at the first couple, you know, first practice would be interesting. Yeah. I, all, all of those. And you can throw Beckham in there. One other is, is Zeitler in terms of a guy who, who definitely yep. wants a new contract, but the Ravens are in a position and I think they'll tell they should just go with the party line to everybody because it's, it's not untrue is basically with Lamar Jackson's second contract here, we just do not have room for as many long-term contracts. So there's not anybody who would currently like to be extended early. Um, do we have an easy path to that? Now, it doesn't mean we won't abs- absolutely won't do it, but it means we have to be extremely judicious with every dollar we spend. I, I don't know if the players respect that or not. I mean, I, it does didn't seem like Matthew Judon, after he left the Ravens, really understood it. Because he, he basically has beaten on the Ravens in, in the press about the Ravens not signing their players. Well, guess what? If you draft well, you're forced into continual heartbreaking decisions of letting your, your great players move on. But the alternative, drafting crappily, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> And not having to make those decisions and oversigning your marginal players is a hell of a lot worse. So respectfully with Matthew Judon, mind your own business <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, uh, go make as much money as you can somewhere else. Frankly, um, uh, he's, he's a great player. He was a great player for the Ravens. He's certainly been a great player for the Patriots. And um, I, I, uh, I, I'm happy for him. That's it. But I, you know, the, the guys who, who, you know, talk about not wanting to sign anybody coming off their first contract. It's just, it's, it's too difficult to listen to sometimes about this. And um, Zeitler is a professional. I don't think he'll, he'll allow that to affect his play in any way. Uh, Queen and Dobbins are fourth year players and they just got to understand what's going on. The same goes for Broderick Washington and Justin Matabike, by the way, they probably want contract extensions, both of them. I, it would not surprise me if the Ravens have tried to offer those contracts but it's going to be a right player, right place deal in either case that there's got to be a divisible benefit on the table. Um, in the case of Dobbins, I don't think he's interested in a divisible benefit. Honestly, I think he wants a big contract and he wants it now. Um, that's, that's just the impression I get from the amount he's willing to already gripe about it um, is that he wants the security. Now, if, if that's true, you typically have to give up something to get that. And if your value a year from now with a 900 yard season is going to be $18 million over three years, then you might have to take $14 million over three years right now in order to guarantee yourself that security because you don't have a 100% chance of a 900-yard season. So that's a place where I don't think players always can do it. But the whole notion of betting on yourself is saying, effectively, I'm betting I won't get injured and that my productivity can still stay up in this new system. Yeah, uh, and th- that draft class, the, the 2020 class, is the one that's coming up and um... All of them are coming up with with Queen's fifth year being declined. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it Dobbins has certainly made the most you know waves in terms of his unhappiness. Um, and I, I honestly I don't think that he's the first priority that the Ravens want to resign. Um, mm-hmm. He's a great player. He's he's a you know runs great running back. You know he runs hard and lovable by the fans. And um, I would not mind if they you know were able to find some type of deal. But the fact is that when you pay a quarterback as much money as you're paying Lamar Jackson. And your corner pieces are Marlon Humphrey, uh, Roquan Smith, Marcus Williams, Ronnie Stanley. Mm-hmm. There's Mark only Andrews. so many. Yeah, Mark Andrews. There's only so much money that you can throw around, and um, they have they have the, the make no bones. They have chosen those six guys. Those are their key pieces. Um, there's not a lot of. I don't think there's another big contract that they can really give out right now. That's that. You know, those are the six guys that they've been on, and. You can debate whether those are the six that you wanted. Um, I would argue that they've gotten pretty darn good value, and we'll see how Roquan and the Marcus Williams contracts come out. But, um, you know, they, they've picked six great guys, in my opinion. And yeah. um, they're not in a position over the next three years to be handing out, you know, contract extensions like they were in 2019 or 20, 2020. Yeah. They've, it's, you know, the 2018 draft is now two years in the rear window, but it's also something to look at in terms of this 2020 draft. Good draft in 2020. They yeah. got a lot, they got a, you know, a, clearly a lot of players that they really like out of the deal. 2018 is one of the greatest, well, it's the greatest draft in franchise history, probably yeah. 1996 being the competitor. Right. But in, in 2018, you know, getting all of the talent they did, they had to basically dismantle that draft one piece at a time. And they, they unfortunately lost Zach Sealer because he just didn't have room for him on the roster, which is an unbelievable loss to the practice squad uh, to lose a player that good. Um, and they, they traded Kenny Young and they and they traded Hayden Hurst after after two years and got real value for him, which I thought was was good. Yeah. They traded Orlando Brown for his fourth year. And I thought they got very good value for him as well, even though, boy, would they love to have had Orlando Brown in, in 2021. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they had to unpeel unravel that entire draft other than keeping one cornerstone player for it and um i think you have to really credit DaCosta with uh having the the nuts to trade these guys in year four uh when they they just can't possibly fit into uh the team's long-term plans and, and unfortunately queen is the primary guy right there uh i think they need dobbins too much this year to consider trading him, but but Queen, if they could get something for him, I think is still on the uh, you know potentially on the block for this year, and love to see him play here too, have a big year, but you know they have they have the backup already in place in Simpson. Absolutely, I, and if you're trying to win the Super Bowl this year, you cannot trade J.K. Dobbins. Um, right, you're you're not going to get good enough value. Uh, no team, I, I you know I don't know what even draft compensation he would fetch given what the running back market has been. Um, and how many veterans you can sign for for a vet minimum? Um, Dobbins is way too important to this to the winning formula. The the two most valuable ones to the to this team this year though are Broderick Washington and Justin Matabike. Given that the defensive line is is so um, is is just so thin and, and maybe a little unproven, um, those two I think that they would they have probably much more interest in ex- extending one of them um, on, on, a, on a deal, uh, but. Yeah, Queen. I, you know, again, if you're trying to win the Super Bowl, is it worth getting whatever compensation that you can get from him? Um, that that that's a that I guess we'll find out. Um, but it, yeah, when you draft really well and you 
are able to build starters and develop people, um, you have to lose some. And you also have to deal with probably players being unhappy about what their contracts and what their extensions possibilities could look like. Um, So yeah, I, I, you know, 2020 draft class was um, a solid one. I think we've gotten some good, some good value from those guys. And um, I do think that they'll be playing the comp pick game next summer with, with some of them and, and trying to replenish and restock. It it would be hard for them to miss on a big, exchange of players for comp picks next year because of how many people they have entering free agency. And they did, I thought, remarkably well, largely because of the Josh Oliver uh, signing was much higher than expected, but then they gave that away, of course, when they signed Aguilar, which was a little bit uh, a little bit frustrating. Yeah. But let's move on to one of the big battles because I think we, we need to discuss this for sure, which is um, the left guard battle. We're going to learn a lot in training camp about what's going on with that. And and it's, we don't actually have to wait for the preseason games to start to understand how the Ravens totem pole at left guard is looking. And there will also be, be some evidence probably on positional versatility with these guys I want to talk about. But who would you like to start with on the left guard position? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think the leader in the clubhouse from what the mini camp reports were saying, although we're you know still so early, I don't think there is a leader. Um, is John Simpson, and you know, um, he was a starter for the uh, for the Raiders the entire 2021 season um, year they made the playoffs. The year they lost Gruden, and um, you know the team kind of still was able to make get a playoff berth. Um, last year was benched in week two. Um, for the Raiders and then released, which I, you know, seemed like a surprising move. Um, and, you know, the Ravens, uh, you know, picked him up uh, kind of late, late last year. Right. And um, stashed him, which I, I thought was, a, you know, an interesting little gamble. Um, I think if you're, you know, you're looking at organizations around the NFL right now, I think the Raiders are, are you know, how they're being run. Um, if you were going to take advantage of maybe a poorly run team and getting rid of a, you know, a possible neutral starter, um, that's certainly one I would bet on. So I, you know, I did think that it was a, you know, a fine move picking him up and seeing if he can make the roster and contribute. Um, but I certainly don't feel comfortable maybe with him being the the starter right off the bat. Okay. So John Simpson is a damaged property and yeah. and there's, there's reasons why, I mean, obviously playing in, a, playing in Las Vegas, not an ideal situation with the, the dysfunction of the organization generally, but the, He's played 1,545 NFL snaps and had 17 penalties. That's an absurd number, and that part is primarily on him. Now, the, the, there's also the, the severity of the penalties. Two false starts, 13 holding calls, and two personal fouls. You'd hope for a bunch of false starts in there, and maybe you could correct it and whatnot. Holding penalties can be a little more difficult because there's some that can be prevented by just knowing when to release on if, if the player gets outside your frame and there's some that can't be prevented because you're getting beat so badly on the play. You have to, you have to basically tackle somebody who's, who's trying to get down your quarterback. So uh, the Ravens have looked at this and I trust their judgment in terms of what player they can rehabilitate. Um, and they think they can rehabilitate on the offensive line because they've been so good at it over the years in terms of drafting marginal offensive line talent and making something out of it. And also in reclaiming uh, offensive line talent that comes off other teams' scrap heaps. Actually been less good at that. But Simpson is built exactly like a guard. You draw him up on the board. 
And not only that, and here's the interesting thing about Simpson I don't think anybody's talking about yet, really. He's 6'4", 321, and he has 34 and an 8th inch arms. I believe it's slightly over 34 inches. I'm wondering if the Ravens don't see him as a potential backup at left tackle. Mm. That's a yeah, that's a very good point. Or at least have the versatility to do both. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also don't think it's a I mean, now that you mentioned that, I you know, I wonder if they they see him in combination with Linderbaum and you know the size of Simpson being able to at least play well with with what Linderbaum may lack. Um, and those two complementing each other a little bit more. Um, adding some size in the middle, I, you know, I think would be really beneficial to Linderbaum's play, especially, you know, what they're going to, he's going to have a little bit of a different role this year with, with pass blocking more. For, uh, well, completely agree for, for, yeah. for, for starters. And the, they have five guys potentially in the competition and Patrick McCary's name has been mentioned. I don't honestly believe they're going to try and start him at left guard with the, um, you know, need to have him as a potential backup center or a potential backup left tackle. I think it's it's more likely you you keep him as your sixth man. So he's your James Worthy. You don't try and get him in the starting lineup, and then it allows you to make a one for one substitution and make as much or maintain as much line continuity as you can. But the other four guys they have in this competition are some of the biggest men who play professional football today, and John Simpson is the small one of the group. Yeah. <laughs> Salah is enormous. Ben Cleveland is is a mountain of a man. And then the other guy is, is uh, Daniel Falele, who's moving from right tackle and, you know, is one of the heaviest men ever to play the game, heaviest and tallest ever to play the game. So uh, the Ravens are certainly going with size. And I think you're hundred percent right in terms of the need to put a big body or the value of putting a big body next to, to Linderbaum should not be um, undersold. Uh, he's a, uh, a, a, a Having a very small guy there, you want two things. You want a big body next to him for combination blocks and to, to use that alternate body style to get the quickness and power combination you want. So that's that's part of it. And honestly, that's probably about 25% of the importance. The 75% factor is that you need a guy who's a good pass blocker there. They had Ben Powers, and Ben Powers as a pass blocker did a lot to cover for Linderbaum in his first year. Um, he's... His weakness is pass blocking, and his weakness is pass blocking for no secret reason. It's because of his size and length, and uh, they'll need to get a guy next to him who can help overcompensate and protect that A-gap more than a left guard normally would. They really need a good pass blocker there, and that I'm less clear of who the guy is among those four who who might be the correct choice. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, you know, you've seen other teams do that with the Eagles, with Kelsey. They've always had a kind of a giant next to him, Brandon Brooks. And, um, you know, I like with with left guard, I think the other guy, like the two other guys that or two of the three other guys you mentioned, um, Ben Cleveland is, I think, going to be a very interesting case study because I don't know if he come if he doesn't come in this training camp you know, in shape or as motivated. I, I don't know what exactly the, the what's been going wrong for him. Um, I don't know how much more time he has on his Ravens clock um, and what the, how much patience they have for him. What's frustrating is when he's been in NFL games, he's played pretty well um, in terms of your scoring system. What have you seen from Cleveland when he um, has kind of jumped in? This, this last year, uh, not so great, um, he, but, he, but he, he had a game against Pittsburgh where you kind of got to see a little bit of the things in terms of power, and then he made a couple of pass blocking errors. Uh, but he definitely, 
he he got teed up on some combination blocks where he absolutely put the guy in the next week. And mm-hmm. and we finally got to see some of the um, amazing power of Ben Cleveland in play. And I think the year before, uh, he had some up and down, but but there was enough in his rookie play to say, yeah, this is a guy that you could see signs or you could see hope for growth from. So I think, you know, now it's year three. You mentioned, you know, Sands in the Hourglass are running pretty quickly. And and uh, he's almost out of option value. When year four hits, he's really completely out of option value. And you you need to figure out, you know, are, do we have a player or not? And honestly, they should have figured this out in year two, even if they weren't happy with him. They should have figured out, do we have somebody who we really like? And Harbaugh would probably tell you they think they know from practice whether they can trust the guy or not. Um, and he didn't he didn't play or rotate with Powers anyway, in part because Powers was having a great year, but but also because uh, you know they they he was still in the doghouse from showing up out of shape and whatnot. Now reports from minicamp that I've heard are are that he's he's in outstanding shape this year. So I hope that ends up being true when I'm there next week and we 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 get to see a uh, a player who uh, uh, is exactly who the Ravens expected him to be when they drafted him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know during minicamp they were also testing him out at tackle a little bit, uh, so maybe they're mm-hmm. testing a little bit of his versatility. Uh, that that's terrific news. Then if he's in shape and, and motivated to get that starting role, um, I, I probably feel, you know, if if he is able to, you know, fit, fit, like somehow find his potential or or be the player that we want him to be, um, that would probably be my ideal choice to be the starting le- um, left guard. Um, it's obviously exciting that if you find a diamond in the rough, like Sala in sixth ground, like if he's able to come in and be the starter. Um, but you know, you can't really, you can't really depend on that. Uh, and it, you know, it seems like all reports that Sala has been pretty solid as he started. Mm-hmm. Um, Sala during uh, college uh, played a lot of, uh, played a lot of tackle. Um, and one of right the big things, yeah, played a lot of right tackle. And, you know, from reading on him, they said, well, he probably lacks a lot of the athleticism to be an NFL tackle um, seeing more of him inside. And it's interesting. It, it seems like the Ravens obviously completely believe in that, but also another versatility piece um, for tackle depth. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see how that battle shakes out and um, and who is kind of jumping jumping up the rankings as, as training camp is going on. So I, I maybe have a slightly different take on what the ideal outcome is, and but I'll but I'll give you mine as I would see it right now. I think the ideal guy to win the job is Salah, and the reasons are fairly obvious that he's a rookie, and so the the, the years of team control. Sure. Obviously, if you know who that guy is as a rookie, you've really got a big win on your hand. So that he'd he'd be the ideal guy. Now that said, I think it's quite possible that Salah is not quite ready in terms of his um, uh, uh, needs to get stronger. Uh, may need to learn more about the footwork of the guard position and whatnot. My number two guy would probably be Cleveland just because of the two years of team control left. He's been a pretty good pass blocker. Um, And my number three guy would be Simpson for multiple reasons. Number one is that he's had this big penalty problem. um, And I hope the Ravens get over it, but I'm not, I'm not convinced they will be able to, but let's say they are, let's say, they know exactly what the Orioles have known with some of their recent guys like Hicks and uh, who's the other one? O'Hearn. Uh, I'm sorry. Say again. Brian O'Hearn. 
Well, Ryan O'Hearn is a good one. Yeah. So, yeah. so they've, they've looked at, they've signed a couple of guys who hadn't hit anywhere else in years and they all of a sudden are getting production out of them. The, the reliever they just got from Oakland, Fuji, Fujinami. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he, he is uh, another guy where the Ravens may really, uh, so the Orioles may really have it figured out. So if the Ravens, who are offensive line whisperers, think they can fix Simpson, fantastic. And he could really be the guy. He's, he's certainly built for the position. I'd be even more happy if they said, John Simpson is too valuable to us as a backup tackle for us to even have him playing guard. So if they'd said that about Tyree Phillips early, you know, maybe Tyree Phillips whole career trajectory would have been different with the Ravens because uh, you know, they might've been able to use him at tackle in 21. But if, if, if for whatever reason they decide that John Simpson is, is the guy they want to back up tackle, I think that would be fantastic. Um, and also when you look at it, Simpson's a, a one-year rental, you know, they, they could resign him during the year, but if they really need him to play left tackle, he's an outstanding option for that if he can handle it. Um, and you do have other options at left guard that might work. So, uh, you know, probably that's my one, two, three is, is solid Cleveland Simpson. I don't think Falele is going to be the guy. I think he's, he's, probably got um uh a year developmentally wherever he's going to play uh in the NFL and I hope the Ravens can find a way to keep him around but I'm not even 100% sure that that's uh that's going to be an easy thing to do. Yeah, it'll be hard to to keep a lot of you know all these pieces and I mean one of the sneaky things about Simpson is that if if Jody can kind of work his magic um he can now enter the comp pick formula as well when he hits free agency next offseason um i don't know if they're gonna be able to pull off a a ben powers fourth rounder uh, again but uh you never really know with with the way that the ravens can churn out some offensive linemen well there is a limit of four a net of four and i think the ravens are already going to be pushing that yeah um you know they'll sign some free agents but a lot of the free agents they have to sign this next offseason will be for out of the bargain bin, out of necessity. So they won't be early guys they sign. They'll be guys that they sign after the draft and don't count against the comp formula. So the guy, they, they, but I mean, you look down the the whole list of free agents they have with Dobbins and Edwards and Queen and Zeitler and all, I mean, they're going to, they sh- this should be a high set of net value comp picks that they recover in, in 25. Yeah. And I don't know the rules on, do you keep your four highest comp picks? I, I'm, I'm sure that's probably the rule. Uh, but it would be it's interesting case study to see maybe, you know, are they are they looking towards drafts as almost we're going to have these big drafts like the 2022 draft class, the 2020 draft class, the 2018, mm-hmm. almost have those every one or t- two or three years um, to to stock the stock the cupboard of, of roster spots. Um, that'd be an interesting uh, way to see like how you analyze team building um, and then also how you're able to like now reap. To, to stay a step ahead in the comp pick formula that you have so many free agents from draft classes, these massive classes, um, are you able to make more, uh, get more from the comp picks, just the fact of, of quantity because you, um, other teams have figured out the comp pick formula and have, have, uh, almost caught up to the Ravens with their strategy. Is this now the next step? But that's a, that's a discussion for a different day. So I, that is a very interesting discussion, by the way. I, I, I like the thought that went into that in terms of, of, is there some on again, off again value where you can where you can increase your number of picks in a year and and really take advantage of the the comp formula? Yeah, so it's a, it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what's your next on. topic? No, what's your next topic? How about how about the pass rush? Because we haven't really talked about that. You you mentioned it as one of the big needs uh, right off. I think you know I'll just say I think the the Ravens need is primarily at Sam linebacker right now, which limits a lot of the potential moves they can make. Mm-hmm. 
Um, completely agree because, you know, I, I you drafted Ojabo in the second round last year, the 45th pick, and that, that's a pretty valuable pick. Um, and to, to use that pick on a guy who you knew wasn't going to give you like any type of production year one, you better play him year two. Um, you, you, you better give him a chance. And, I, you know, last year when they, they kind of hit a point of, oh, my God, we have nobody to play at outside linebacker and they're running away into the ground and Pierre Paul is playing like 60 snaps a game. Um, very quickly towards the end of the season, it, like all of them were healthy. Like, n- like none of them were hurt. Like because when Bowser came back, they had Bowser, Houston, Pierre Paul, Oway. Um, and Ojabo just kind of, you know, waiting in the wings, um, maybe for, for his chance. And, um, it, you know, some of them were too important to the team to take off the field. And, you know, now I think they're, they, you have a big decision of, well, okay, we can make, if we're going to make one move at outside linebacker, you know, is it in our best interest to bring in Justin Houston? Um, or is it to find a guy that can play uh, Sam and, Sam is the same linebacker position for the Ravens is extremely important. And I think that, you know, if you look back into, you know, pre Tyus Bowser last season, when Tyus Bowser came back, that'll, that'll give you a great idea of, of how important um, that position is to the defense. So um, yeah. I mean, would you be happier if they were to bring in a veteran um, or are you looking for what, who in camp um, or what outside free agent can, can fill that same role? So, yeah, I, I'm not sure if they have the guy on the roster anymore. Daylon Hayes was supposed to be him, and mm-hmm. he was released and and is you know obviously now gone. And Vince Beagle was supposed to be kind of a stopgap player at the position last camp, and he got hurt as well. So unfortunate set of circumstances really left him shorthanded in 22. Um, got a little bit of saltiness from Harbaugh in terms of his reaction at the podium to you know whether or not. Um, Outside linebackers can play Sam or Rush, and I forget exactly his words. I don't want to. I don't want to say it, but he he was basically trying to gloss over it and say they can play either. And I I, just, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I don't think he even believes it. I think he he said it because he wanted to get past the discussion. But yeah. I, I I wholeheartedly disagree with that. The Sam linebacker is absolutely the key to the Ravens having a pass rush that where they can bring anybody. So if you have Bowser, he's an enormous chess piece on the field. You can move him, uh, play a short zone to cover a flat route, to to uh, drop and potentially cover a tight end, drag a seam, whatever it might be. Um, he can do very effectively, and it gives your pass rush an extra opportunity to create that first pressure on the quarterback, which usually leads to a second man sack. So get the get the slot rushing, get inside linebacker rushing. Um, it's just that that we don't know who's coming is largely dependent on having a Sam linebacker who can drop. Yeah, especially, I, I mean, like that seems to be McDonald's simulated pressure and and not knowing who's coming is is one of McDonald's, you know, key tenets to his defense. As, a, as opposed to numbers, right? You're talking right. about as opposed, yeah. yeah, as opposed to just bringing, you know, you know six. And he, um, there are some great videos for, for anyone who wants to understand, um, you know, McDonald's defense. Um, there's some great videos on YouTube from the ringer, Ben Solak, who, who analyzed the, the, the beginning it, or when Roquan Smith came to the Ravens and when, um, you know, how their defense changed, but also how they played Cincinnati. Um, there's a great video of, of what simulated pressure looks like. Um, 
but that can't happen unless they have a Sam linebacker. And I think that that's like an interesting thing um, going into training camp because I don't know who's on the roster who can who can do that. And I really hope that it's not Owe. Um, and right. I think that's what I'm the most concerned about because I would love to see Owe in a rush role um, and not going back and forth and swinging that development. I don't think Owe is um, as special as a player as a as you said Hamilton before who can do both those things. Um, and I think that that did hurt him last season when they were bringing him back and forth. Um, and we saw him come on at the end. He was playing very well. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I personally am, am a little concerned that they think it's Owe. And I, I really hope that it, it's not. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm extremely bully, uh, uh, bullish on Owe this year because I think working with Chuck Smith, he'll have a good chance to not only you know get into some compound moves, which I think Chuck Smith is well known for, but but also hopefully they need they'll find ways to train him that it will improve his get off and make him more of a threat to that left tackle, which will then make the left tackle overreact to the to the first move he makes. And that's when a guy like Chuck Smith can get in there and say, okay, here's the compound move that's going to move work here, spin move, euro step, whatever. But if you show him this, he can't help but overreact to it to the outside and 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 you'll beat him. Uh I just I, I love the idea of Owe staying over there. And I really like the idea of trying to keep him fresh as well. So using him more on passing downs. And you know, it's unfortunate. It's not unfortunate. It's good that he's a good run defender, but but or can be, but it's it's even more important by orders of magnitude that he brings the Ravens pass rush because they have other guys who can who can play some run defense. And they can get other guys who can play some run defense, uh, but you can, what you can't do is uh, degrade who he is as a pass rusher by asking him to play either too much or out of position. And I think kind of both of those things happened in twenty two. Yeah, and um, it, it was it was disappointing because the, during you know preseason last year it, it seemed like he was unblockable and and was terrific in training camp. Um, but yeah, I'm excited that you're um, you're bullish on him, and uh, I think the addition of Chuck Smith to having him in the defense with um, those two young guys uh, will, will be great. Um, and the effects of Justin Houston, whether they bring him back or not, um, in terms of working on their you know their craft and uh, their moves, mm-hmm. um, and I, it seems like they he really had a great impression on on Owe and hopefully Ojabo as well. Um, but they're certainly banking on a lot with with Bowser, um, Ojabo, and Owe. I think that it's it's okay. Um, I I do anticipate that they'll add it, um, another, uh, and I'll be um, interested to see maybe if there's a guy coming up the ranks yet that we don't know that can maybe play a backup Sam. Um, I think Jer- uh, I think Moon is still on the roster. Um, I'm not sure if he really plays that that Sam role. What his what his um, you know what he did at training camp or uh, last year, but. Um, you know, I, I somebody hopefully can can fill that need, um, or they bring in somebody that fills that need, and it's not Oa uh, or Ojabo. Right. Well, Malik Ham is on the roster, who's a um, a possibility, I suppose. He's one that that is is pointed to sometimes. I'm trying to think if there's anybody we haven't talked about in that group. The only other guy I see the name that is one I don't know is Kelly Sanders, uh, who's out, out of uh, UAB. So I guess he's he's somebody worth taking a look at. His size and length would tell me. I'm sorry, his size would tell me uh, he possibly could be a Sam at six four two forty six. 
Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll take a look. It'll it'll be uh, fun to see some of these guys. Um, none of them really are easy to identify coming out of school as Sam linebackers, at least not to me, because mm-hmm. they rush the passer all the time. They're too valuable in that role to be taken out of it. And, uh, you know, you end up guessing about who the good guys are. And there's probably, you know, one or two per class that have even done it enough that you think, yeah, this guy would be okay at Sam in the NFL. And then the rest of them, you just have to kind of guess on traits. So uh, it, it's, yeah. uh, it's interesting. And honestly, Oway is one of the guys who would have showed up as a, as a good potential for a Sam linebacker, giving his overall athleticism. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, it goes to show too, like how valuable Tyus Bowser is to his team and um, also how great of a contract he has. Um, yeah. You know, that extension is just, you know, there are team friendly deals and, and then there are ones where you're not going to, you don't need to restructure. You don't, you don't need to do anything because that thing is too perfect and you don't want to touch it. You don't want to make him unhappy at all because um you know, getting him, I think, for, you know, four for 24 um, during the Judon uh, offseason when, when he was getting his deal from the Patriots. Um, that seems like a, a right player, right price type of Ravens deal that uh, we have uh, certainly reaped the benefits from. And um, shame he got injured at the end of the 2021 season. But, um, you know, it, great to have him back last year um, as a Sam. Yeah, he signed through twenty four, so um, they're gonna they're gonna have another decision point coming up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but he's a he's certainly one of the very key pieces on the defense, and hopefully he has another big year there. Totally, you know, makes unnecessary any thinking about whether you you go ahead with uh, uh, twenty four or not. It's about a five point five million dollars savings. You know, the Ravens are always going to be in a position where they're looking to save money on the margin, and you know. Players like Ronnie Stanley at eight point three million next year, uh, I sure as hell hope they don't let him go. But but uh, uh, you know, every opportunity to save money is going to be a big deal. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know if you want to to start the backup tackle discussion yet, or if we already touched on that. Enough. I, I think we've already touched on it enough. But let's let's maybe outline it just a little bit more. Is that is that Ronnie Stanley is so critically important to this team in terms of of uh, health. And you know, there's a few players you just you, you that would hurt a ton if you lost them, but maybe you could get by. And maybe even Marcus Williams fits into that role because Geno Stone was so good, you know, in terms of of coming in. Um, but there's other play, and you know, I hate to say it, but maybe Mark Andrews with the current receiving core is a guy you could afford to lose for six games. And the two backup tight ends would give you enough to get you through, along with whatever Monken could scheme up there. But I don't see any way you can get by without without Ronnie Stanley on this team. I think that the drop off in play is going to be so prodigious um, that you that it would be a enormous problem. And so uh, uh, he's he's a guy that you you can't afford not to have him in twenty four as well as twenty three. Reports are good in terms of his health. Let's hope he plays at, at the at a good level. But uh, uh, Boy, if he didn't for any reason, if he's if if we all of a sudden find out like that that he's pretty much done at left tackle, it's a major major project for the Ravens to find the replacement there. Major project. Um, c- cannot express how valuable he is to the team and the team's success. And uh, I mean, last off season, I I don't want to be as dramatic to say that his health was maybe the most important thing going into the Ravens season, but it sure was in the top one or two. Um, 
and it's the same this year. And, and I, you know, I hope that he's put that behind him and um, he's, you know, back to the Ronnie Stanley of old. And he played like it last year. He was, you know, he's play, um, when he came back, it seemed like he was physically ready. And um, I know people were frustrated that it, you know, took till week five, but um, I'm of the opinion when it comes to Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley practicing and what his training camp role needs to be, um, that I, you know, bubble wrap might be the Ravens' best option <laughs> rather than uh, you know getting him through the, the camp grind, um, because you know we can we can talk about John Simpson being a, a you know a, an ideal backup left tackle or you know you could plug McCarry in there, but the fact of the matter is that when they have Ronnie Stanley there, it's a completely different team, um, completely different offense, and who you trust. And in my mind, uh, you know. I would, if he's healthy this year, I would look to extend him again rather than, than, than play any games for 2024. Um, I, I, I understand that that injury at one point was career threatening, um, but it's really hard to find left tackles. They don't, they don't come around often. Um, and it's a shame that ours, uh, you know, was, was shelved for an extended time, but he's, he's too, he's too valuable to the offense. And, um, a real pillar just to the Ravens success, uh, for this year. And, um, yeah, I would put him in obviously Lamar, but him and Humphrey are the, are the two, if they lose either of those two, um, I'm not sure if the Ravens can recover from that. Yeah. All right, Danny, outstanding job. Thanks for, you know, go through this with me, just a very detailed, obviously you're extremely well-prepared in terms of, of what you did for this. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter at uh, djoseph0815. Um, just excited for Ravens training camp. I'll be uh, listening to you know your your re- recaps. I always look forward to those every training camp, um, and uh, hopefully reading what you know what your you know, discussions are with with fans. Um, but excited for the preseason. Excited for Ravens football. Um, mainly excited that the the main thing won't be the Lamar Jackson contract this preseason, and and uh, we can see. Uh, how these guys are growing and developing. And um, I, I'm very bullish on this team. I'm very, very excited for this season. All right. Outstanding, Danny. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Other folks out there who would like to be on a film study short, just hit me up with your idea, DM on Twitter. We're starting to get to a point where there's less opportunity to do this, but there's always about one show per week I like to do that's a, that's a film study short and would love to hear from you. I promise to get back to you very quickly. Danny, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.